alcoholic. And uh, I haven't even spoke yet. You're already clapping? Uh, let's open with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, courage change the things that I can, and wisdom to know the things. Um, so, I, uh, you know, so I'm going to talk, I'm going to kind of cut it short. Um, uh, I'm going to talk on step 11 and step 12 um, today. I'm actually really excited about this. Um, you know, I've had profound experiences with, uh, you know, step 11 and, uh, you know, and step 12. But uh, I'm not going to talk so much about sponsorship because I thought Dan did such a wonderful job if you attended, um, you know, that, uh, you know, kind of panel thing that he did yesterday. Uh, I'll touch on it, but I mainly want to talk about just carrying the message uh, in that in that regard. But um, so, I mean, what's happened to me in uh, in step 11 is. Uh, um, you know, it's it that seeking, you know, sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God as I understand Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for me and the power to carry that out. And uh, I just, you know, there's really specific directions which I, you know, I'm sure you can read. Someone can read it to you if you can't read. Someone can explain what to do. I mean, there's specific directions. And, and like I was saying yesterday, I mean, when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I mean, I was totally baffled by how to do life. I, you know, I knew, I think a dentist had told me that you're supposed to brush your teeth like twice a day. Like I, I was incapable of doing that, but like I knew how you, you're supposed to do that. I couldn't, you know, I didn't know how to make my bed. You know, I was taught that. I didn't know, um, you know, that you're supposed to do laundry on like a consistent time. You're not supposed to wear like the same underwear for, you know, weeks at, weeks at a time. So I, I didn't really know how to do that. And one of the things I did not know how to do was get up in the morning and go to bed at night. And, uh, you know, and there's real specific directions on how to do that in the book on, you know, page, uh, you know, page um, 86, 87, 88. But I'm just going to pick out little things that are real important to me in that. And then I'm going to talk about about this evolution that's happened to me it, through seeking God, see, through seeking God's will for me in, in the 11th step, Com going, taking that surrender, uh, you know, turning my will and life over to God in, uh, in, in the third step, um, and, and then expanding on that stuff through the years. And it's only, it's only through, um, I couldn't see at the time that these events happened, what, what the profound ripple effect in my life is much like I'm sure you know many of the many of you waking up on your on your sobriety date didn't see the profound impact of the 12 steps on your life your family your employer you know all that kind of stuff that you can only see in hindsight um, so in the book page uh, you know 80 86 it says uh, at the bottom of the page it's talking about thinking about our day we may face indecision we, not, we may not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask for inspiration, an intuitive thought, or a decision. And, um, and that stuff, I mean, I've rel that, that reliance uh, early on 
was, was fleeting at best. I, I'd forget that I'm you know, supposed to be living a God-directed life. And I'm not saying that now. It's like I'm tapped into the source 24-7 and just piping in God, you know, God all the time. But more and more, I've, I've, I've leaned over to that intuitive thought. like asking, And that's so contrary to how I live my life. I'm someone who sits there. When a problem confronts me in life, when I face indecision, when agitation or doubt come into my life, my natural reaction, when a problem occurs in life, I'm going to sit there, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to think, I'm not going to talk to anyone about it. I don't need anyone else. I'm not going to rely on this power. I'm going to think about it. And what invariably happens to a guy like me is I start thinking about something and then cascading, cascading into self. And then it's self on self and I can't get out of it. So leaning into that stuff, that intuitive thought, just letting go of the results, asking for direction, and invariably it comes. You know, I talked about uh, the other day, uh, yesterday, how long have I been here? Um, I talked yesterday about, um, you know, uh, I had a, a relationship that had gone, gone south, and I didn't know what to do about it, and I just surrendered. You know, one day, it was a Friday, I surrendered. I said, God, you know, if you want me in, in this relationship, that's great. If you don't, take it away. I, I'm done trying to figure this out, trying to make this work. And then Sunday she calls and uh, says, we're done. And it's like, I mean, immediate response. Um, 87, it says there are many helpful books also. I'll talk about more about that. Um, you know, be quick to see where religious people write. I mean, there's a library, there's libraries full of, of books to utilize on your spiritual journey, on seeking this, this conscious contact. The bottom of that page, it says, we constantly remind, I think this, to me, is the most important thing in the 11th step. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, Thy will not mine be done. Bottom of that page, it says, faith without works is dead. And the reverse of that is true as well. Works without faith is dead. Um, you know, I, uh, many times throughout the day, and, and what, what it's for me, it's, uh, you know, oh God, thy will not mine be done. Direct me and I will follow. And uh, just constantly reminding myself throughout the day that I'm not running the show. I think that's the most important. So um, I had an experience, um, I was six years sober, I had just left, a, and I had my plan, you know, now that I'm sober, I want my plan, I want what I want, and, uh, and I'm going to build a good life, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll help some other alcoholics and stuff like that, but, so six years sober, I, I'd left a, a master's program, and I just, I mean, I just quit, you know, and I just couldn't do it, and um, I, I left, and I, and I felt like a total failure, and, um, and I'm, I, I kind of bottom out in this, in this waiting room uh, for a psych ward, the intake for a psych ward, and just thinking about drinking, thinking about killing myself, you know, and it's just like, you know, all these other things are going on, you know, eat, uncontrolled eating, uncontrolled, you know, this, like, you know, I had this uh, secret sex life, you know, with all this, like, pornography and stuff like that, and it was just, I mean, it was a bad, I just felt terrible about myself. I mean, I, fe I felt walking into a meeting that everyone was like judging me. I didn't want to go to meetings. And um, so what happened was I took the steps again. And um, <clears throat> on page 52, it says, our ideas didn't work, but the God idea did. And that just, I mean, that just cracked open my mind. And that began this spiritual journey that's, you know, really coming to fruition, uh, you know, at present. 
uh, but I couldn't see I couldn't see it at that time. And so what happened was I had this profound experience with this Oxford group pamphlet. Um, if you want to know the name, come up to me after. It's not confer AA conference approved, but the Oxford group is what AA grew out of. And, uh, you know, they tried to practice first century Christianity. So I had this profound, the first time I used this pamphlet, I had this profound experience where I finally, I, God was so distant for so long. I, I had this profound experience that like brought, tear, brought tears to my eyes with this, this thing. And, I, and from that, I, I, I started taking this course of action. I started seeking what that was. And I got in contact with a guy uh, down in Texas through, you know, through the wonders of the internet, really. And uh, he opened me up to uh, all this stuff. I started reading about the history of the Oxford group. I started reading about all this kind of stuff. And I got this book um, that I had heard in an AA talk. Some guy mentioned this book. And, uh, you know, and I started reading this book. And uh, it opened up a whole world that I hadn't seen of all these different spiritual traditions all the world over. And, um, you know, and I started investigating all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I've always been, um, you know, when I was new, um, part of the, we got, uh, the program that I was in when I was brand new, they, they wanted us to join some kind of spiritual community, you know, of whatever you wanted. And so I, I tried to do, you know, Zen meditation, and I'd sit there, and, and I remember sitting there and, like, looking at all the, you know, all the other people that were there with me and just being like, you know, my legs hurt, you know, my mind's just like, my legs hurt, how come these people all know how to do it? And I was just like crazy, I mean, it was just like intensive, uh, and that was my early experiences with meditation, was it was painful, I mean, I didn't want to do it, it was just bad, and, um, and I eventually, uh, maybe I was about nine years sober, I, I went and I, w- I got, uh, you know, I got the mantra from the Maharishi, and, uh, you know, I started practicing that form of uh, meditation. I did that for a few years, and that really helped. I mean, I, me- I would meditate for twice a day for 20 minutes at a time, and that really helped. It was easy, it was effortless, and uh, it really helped me. It helped me center um, you know, all that kind of stuff, and I, I, my schedule changed, and uh, I'd been running on, uh, you know, night meetings my entire sobriety. I mean, if a meeting started at, like, 6.30 p.m., it's like, what, you know, what kind of weird meeting is this? Why doesn't it start at 7? Because I'd only gone to meetings at 7 p.m., and I, I switched, and I, my schedule switched, and I had to, my home group had to change to a morning meeting, so I was a morning meeting, and so this meditation, all that kind of stuff, it, it switched into, I didn't have any time to do that. And I had to go right back into the book and ground it in that meditation, what it's talking about, of looking at our day. And, um, you know, I, um, I don't know. I, I've, that spiritual experience, you know, that it talks about in the 12th step, that spiritual awakening that it talks about in the, um, in the appendix two. Um, I'm in the process uh, the last two, two or three years, uh, probably two years, where every idea that I've had, um, they're all old ideas. Every idea that I've had is slowly being rearranged, and I'm seeing 
um, you know, I'm seeing God's revealing to me stuff that uh, I, um, and I'm being, I'm intentionally being vague because it's stuff about society, all this, all this kind of outside stuff. And, but I'm being remade into something that, uh, you know, I think God wants me to be. Um, but it, on the spiritual experience in appendix two, it's on five, 567, it uh, defines the spiritual experience or spir spiritual awakening as that personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism. I mean, it's not some nebulous, elusive, esoteric, meaning hidden or withheld. Um, it's right there. Have you had a personality change sufficient to bring about alcohol, to bring about release from alcoholism, recovery from alcoholism? Have you had that? That's the spiritual awakening that the 12 step talks about. And when I was new, I mean, spiritual awakening looked like some, you know, big acid trip, you know, spiritual awakening. Wow, that sounds awesome. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, uh, it's just the free, it's the release from that obsession which had driven me my whole life. Uh, later on, it says, quite often our, the friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realized that he has under, undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself. With few exceptions, our members find that they had tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. So in my own case, that's, that's been true. I'm someone who, uh, you know, uh, people get confused for like a confident person. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't, I don't see that. So I don't recognize that in myself. Um, but other people see that. I don't, I'm someone who people look up to, you know, or, or respect. And it's like, I don't see that in myself. I'm someone that people turn to. Um, for clarity on issues. I don't see that in myself. It's like, when did I become this guy? Uh, you know, somewhere through the process of the 12 steps, that stuff has come over me. But it's, it's all based on seeking God's will for my life and trying to align my will with, with his. And, um, you know, and so, for instance, what's been happening to me lately in this, you know, kind of two-year, this evolution out of this experience at six years sober and coming to fruition, um, you know, presently has been, you know, just a total reevaluation of my thinking about across everything from relationships to finances to, you know, my place and role in the world and all that kind of stuff. And, um... You know, I'm someone who, I wasn't really raised uh, in a church. I was raised by an agnostic uh, woman, loose affiliation with uh, my grandmother's church, um, you know, raised Episcopalian in that sense. So that's my experience of, of church was, uh, a, you know, Episcopalian. And um, we'd go, you know, during Christmas, occasionally we'd go, you know, on a Sunday or something like that, but not really any kind of affiliation. And, uh, you know, I started going to, uh, you know, I started going to church uh, this year, and uh, I started paying attention to the message in church, and I started, you know, reading the Bible. I started reading uh, books about Christianity, and I'd read books about Zen or Taoism or, you know, the I'd a lot of spiritual literature and stuff like that, and I'm and I'm just returning to something that um, 
it just, I mean, it just, I feel, it feels right for me. And I actually just had a conversation with my sponsor, you know, right before I came up here that like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to start going, like making this a consistent kind of, uh, kind of thing. And it's just, I mean, it's just amazing to me what's happened in my life as a result of continuing to seek God's will for me, continuing to seek and rely on that power, because that's all this is. I mean, this is a simple, simple program. You go through, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, you clear away that channel between yourself and God. And what what happens is God comes into your life and through that process, God reconciles you to your fellows, you know, through the ninth step, all that kind of stuff, restores, hopefully, Um, Not always, and that's, you know, and that's good, but um, reconciles you to your fellows while at the same time reconciling you with God. And you, you tap this unsuspected, I had no idea there was a God in this universe. And I do now. I had no idea that that God lived inside of me. I do now. And, um, and if you have a different belief and that, you know, if you have a different belief, you're wrong. No, I'm just joking. Um, no, if you have a different belief, that's fine. You know, this is, I'm just talking about my own experience and all this stuff that I've said this weekend is just my own experience. You have, if you have a different idea of that, then work with that, you know, but this is my own conception. But I, what I'm saying is the unsuspected. I did not know, and I thought I knew. I was an atheist for a period of time. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll end, the, end with this and pivot on to the 12th step because I'm just talking too much. I got, I got a time limit. Um, but uh, I was an atheist for a while and uh, for a long while, actually. And, um, and I thought it made me intelligent. I really did. I mean, I got a real intellectual pride on that. Oh, you believe in God? You know, you're so dumb. You know, all that kind of stuff. You believe in this, you know, in this, uh, you know, big, big guy in the sky, like, you're so dumb, and, um, and really what happened was I was confronted with the fact that, uh, someone said to me that atheism is not a sign of intelligence, it's a mark of arrogance, and it was just like, it just hit me, and, um, so I was, uh, I was actually talking about this earlier this morning, this happened this last week, um, I was sitting there, and someone was talking about how God to their belief, God made them, uh, you know, formed them, picked their parents, picked their personality, shaped their personality, you know, did all that stuff, the fears, the insecurities, all that kind of stuff as a a way for God's plan. And, uh, And it was basically like, you are not a mistake. And it just hit me. I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It's like, do I have this idea I mean, I asked myself as this was happening, do I, I, I have an idea, do I have an idea that I was a mistake, that my alcoholism was a mistake, that, uh, you know, my birth or who I was born to was a mistake, uh, and all that stuff, and I'm still wrestling with that, I don't have an answer, but it's, it's a deep question, it's removing some other piece of me that is not how God intended it to be, 
Um, and so I'm still wrestling with that. I mean, all this kind of stuff that I'm talking to you is an active process. It's active seeking. And that's all I'm saying to you. Go seek. That's the thing. And um, so with this, uh, with the 12th step, I mean, for me, it all comes together. The whole, all the process comes together in 10, 11, and 12. And um, what I can say to you is... Uh, Carrying the message, staying on the firing lines of life is the only thing that's kept me sober. Um, you know, the prayer will eventually, you're not going to be able to contact that. Eventually, you know, someone's not going to pick up their phone call. You're, the reliance on things human are going to fail. But nothing is going to help you when you're so, well, I'll speak for myself. I, you might have a different program. Nothing helps me. When, I, when I'm, you know, so just stuck on self, uh, you know, no sponsees have called, no friends have called, you know, there's an AA meeting and all that, you know, everyone's pathetic in the meeting, there's no newcomers, you know, everyone's got 30 years and I don't identify with them, you know, it, and, but nothing fixes me like walking into a detox, telling my story, and then walking out a changed man. I mean, it just radically shifts everything because I walk in to where I was and I talk to people who I am and I see what's happened everything comes into relief the grace of God comes once again into my life and gratitude comes right in there and that's what I've found is is carrying the message is the thing that really really saves me um, you know cleaning house God reliance and then throwing myself into helping others has saved me time and time again. So on chapter 7, and I'm, I'm not going to talk much about sponsorship again, but I'm going to talk about carrying the message. Um, on page 89, chapter 7, the first line, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. And that's been true to my experience. Um, page 89, uh, page 98, and I'm just picking out stuff. I mean, if you want to know, if you're like, I, I had this when I, when my sponsor took me through the steps. Uh, you know, I got, I got my first sponsor at about nine months. And, uh, you know, I called my, my sponsor and I go, you know, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm afraid I'm going to kill him or something. Like, I have some power, uh, you know, I'm going to say the wrong thing to the guy. He's going to go drink or something like that. Like, you know, how arrogant is that? Um, but I called my sponsor and I go, I don't know what to do with this guy. And he goes, he goes sponsorship is only monkey see, monkey do. And, uh, and that is so true. If I'm, not if I'm not active in Alcoholics Anonymous, if I'm not going, if I don't have a home group, if, I don't, if I'm not going to, you know, five, six, seven meetings a week, um, you know, four, at least four, uh, if I'm not actively seeking a spiritual life, if I'm not trying to develop all this stuff, if I'm not extending my hand and welcoming people to Alcoholics Anonymous, giving out my card, you know, all that kind of stuff, what is he going to rely on, you know? He, he's not going to see, if, if he sees me in the meeting not doing that stuff, he's not going to do it himself. And, uh, and it's been so true to me. But I'm, uh, I don't know, it's, 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 it's basically that. I mean, um, oh, this is what I was going to say. So I, I, 
I get a new sponsor. I'm maybe two or three years sober, something like that. And this guy, one of one of his things that he does that his sponsor had done was he he would lead workshops and take a group of men through the 12 steps. And uh, you know, so it'd take about you know 13, 14, 15 weeks, and invariably you'd have someone drop out. But I went to him, you know, on the 12 step, and it's like, you know, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I walk up to someone who's new, and it's like, I just freeze, and it's like, what do I say to him, or anything like that? So you drink, you know? It's like, well, obviously, you know. Um, although it might not be obvious. Um, I, uh, not everyone that walks into Alcoholics Anonymous is an alcoholic, um, and I think it's a big disservice to this is my personal opinion. You can uh, disagree with it. I, I think it's a, per, a disservice to, you know, drug addicts, people that, you know, use heroin or something like that that have drank about five times in their life and never have gotten drunk to keep them in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's my job. I believe it's my job to then find. I got to be, I got to know about Narcotics Anonymous. I got to know where the good groups in Narcotics Anonymous are to carry that man to there. I gotta, I gotta have contacts in Narcotics Anonymous to take them to a fellowship that might save their life because they might not, it might not save them in Alcoholics Anonymous. The power of identification was the only thing that saved me. Um, so there's a whole chapter called Working With Others that my sponsor told me about. I'd read before, but I didn't know that it was like a textbook on how to go and talk to someone how to make the approach. Um, if you have fear over what to do with a newcomer, working with others, read it a few times. Uh, you know, get an idea. But page 98, it says, burn, in, burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trusts in God and clean house. And that's all this is. I mean, my job now, on page 102, it says, your job now is to be at a place where you can be at the place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. So never hesitate to go anywhere if you can be helpful. You should not hesitate to visit the most sordid spot on earth on such an errand. Keep on the firing line of life with these motives and God will keep you unharmed. And that has been so true to me. Going into jails, going into detoxes, going into treatment centers, going into psych wards, uh, you know, people nodding out on all the meds that they're on and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Going down to places where it's like, I don't want my car, you know, now that I'm like sober and it's like, you know, I care about where I go. Going down to places where it's like, you know, I go down to detoxes in Vegas where it's like, you know, the street over, there's just homeless, you know, just encampments and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, I park my car, you know, of course I lock it, but I don't have fear that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the firing lines of life. You know, I go into those detoxes, and it's like, I, I t all I do is I tell my story. Because the thing with me is, uh, I'm not someone who works in the re recovery field. I'm not someone who reveals that I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous to, to, I don't announce it to the world or anything like that, because it would be very harmful to me and my profession. But I go, and I... Um, yeah, I, it feels as if I'm kind of pretending in the real world. Like I'm pretending, this is like Sam who's, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm wearing a mask almost. Um, but when I go into the detox, I go into the treatment center, 
I, uh, I make the approach to the man at the, uh, at the meeting, something like that. I tell my story. It's, it's my, that's my, that's me. That's the truth about me, that I'm a failure, that I'm uh, someone who couldn't quit drinking, that I'm a daily oblivion drinker, that I'm a pathetic, you know, by myself drinker. Um, when I reveal that stuff, that's the truth about me. And, uh, you know, I've had odd experiences in, you know, in places like that um, where it's like, you know, I tell my story and it's like people are in like detox or something like that. And it's like they got a few days sober and they, they like turn to me. It's like, well, you know, I'm not as bad as you. And it's like, oh, you know, it's like I'm, conf I'm confronted with my own thinking, you know. And uh, but uh, I like I like to be around, uh, you know. I just like to, I, and I, I've always been a member of groups, strong, structured Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous that when you go to the meeting, you feel welcomed. When I was new, I didn't have enough courage to go up to someone or enough, you know, I was so afraid. I was so, alcohol had just destroyed any sort of confidence or self-esteem or anything like that. I, I could not go and extend my hand and say hello, but, but members of those groups came up to me. I think that's a good group. Are you welcoming the newcomer? The other thing I've, I've noticed about um, you know, working with others is, uh, is that when I have a problem in my life and I go and I work with others, what happens is, and I abandon myself to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I get to meetings early. I talk to the new guys. I talk to people I don't know. I've had times in my life where it's like, you know, I'm so depressed. And all I can do is uh, thank God that I have a lot of AA commitments. Thank God that I have a lot of sponsees. Because I wouldn't be able to do this by myself. You know, I have to force myself to go to that meeting and set up chairs or whatever. And then when I'm at the meeting, what's my orientation? Am I there to get something or am I there to find newcomers? Is, am I there to welcome new people to Alcoholics Anonymous? And the, the amazing thing, hap um, an amazing thing happens to my own perception. Is I can walk into a meeting and think all these people are looking at me, they're judging me, they probably hate me, probably because I'm better looking than them and more intelligent, but they hate me. And, uh, and what happens when I just go around and I introduce myself to people I don't know, whether they're new or not, but people I don't know, and I try and, I try and get, you know, 10 guys that I don't know or whatever the number is. I just introduce myself to all the people in the room that I don't know and I welcome them to the meeting, suddenly I feel welcomed. Suddenly that, that room has shifted from one of hostility and a feeling of apartness from, it just shifts into you know, friendliness, a feeling that I'm connected, a feeling that I'm welcome. I mean, it's, it's just amazing what happens to me when I get outside of myself, because self is the problem for me. I mean, that's the root of the trouble. That is the problem. Of sobriety that's that abnormal reaction to abstinence and uh, and it's only through throwing myself into Alcoholics Anonymous and um, you know I've talked for uh, you know long enough but I just I believe in simple commitments to Alcoholics Anonymous you do not have to make this complicated 
All you have to do is live it. And if you live it, you don't, uh, you don't need to understand it, why it works. You don't have to have, I, I mean, a lot of the time, I don't feel like doing something. I just do it anyway. Um, if you just do it, what happens is a radical change happens in you. And I, I mean, from me today to where I was, I mean, it's, a, it's literally a night and day difference. You cannot trace where I came from to where I am today without Alcoholics Anonymous and God. It's just not possible to do that. And, um, but it's only through abandoning myself to, to Alcoholics Anonymous, making it my commitment, my only mission in life. Every, I'm going to let everything else fall as it may. You know, these problems with the relationships, with the finances, with, you know, my ideas, all that kind of stuff. I'm just going to let that, I'm going to set that aside. I'm going to let God handle that. And I'm just going to throw myself into Alcoholics Anonymous. Make it my mission in life to get like 10 new guys. And not new guys that call me like two days and then they go drink again. But like new guys that I can, t that are willing to go through all 12 steps with me. My life, I mean, those problems... They die of neglect. I mean, I just lose focus on them and they die of neglect. Or it might be, this might be a possibility as well. They don't d die of neglect. God might actually be real. And God might actually take care of them and solve them. But it's only through getting me off of me that that, that allows God to come in. And um, so I thought this been a great retreat. I thought I've done a fantastic job, and uh, um, so thanks so much, guys.